Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. Welcome to episode 224, How It Is and Isn't Personal. So first, I just want to say a huge thank you. Last week, I shared that I did get engaged to Larry in my episode, That Time I Got Engaged. We can link that up in the show notes if this is the first time you're hearing about it and you're curious about the story. It was not a flawless story, and there are definitely some embarrassing moments on my part, and it was important for me for you guys to know the whole thing. And how we approached our engagement very differently. I knew it was happening not exactly when, had a hunch it might have been in Palm Springs. And interesting, too, because I got a couple of snarky opinions about me and anticipating it and all of that stuff. And it's just another, in my opinion, great reminder how to each your own. I actually always wanted to be surprised. I actually told Larry, even after he said, you know, tell me what kind of ring you want. I said, yeah, I I will. Because also I think, and and people had a lot of opinions about that. Like, oh, but then it wasn't a surprise because you picked it out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have this on my finger for the rest of my life. I think it would be worse to get a ring that you don't really love. And again, I recognize these are very much first world problems. Get a ring I don't really love and wear that for the rest of my life just because he picked it out and I feel bad. I'm not interested in that. (laughs) So I loved the way we did it. There was logistics behind it, practicality behind it, and still romance behind it because he is just so romantic. And the fact is we're madly in love with each other and it was the right way for us. And I think that, you know, even if you're just listening to this podcast single and you don't even have the person yet, so you can't even imagine, but, you know, we have four kids at the center of all of this. So, so much of the logistics and the practicality really was based on the timing of telling them we even have planned our wedding and booked our wedding date and place before we even officially got engaged because where we wanted to do it only had three dates available for next summer of 2024. And that was like three months before he proposed. So I'm all about practicality. And yes, I love romance and there were twists and turns and surprises. But again, the outpouring of love from so many of you and people, maybe you're not even listening anymore because I got so many messages from people who said this podcast helped them through a really dark time and now they're happy and in love. And so that just also meant the world to hear from so many people who I just don't know who were moved by the story or if not moved by the story, just so happy that it happened. So I I really do feel your love. I know you listen to this podcast because you want to learn and you're curious about what I have to offer about many different angles about heartbreak dating and relationships. But I feel your investment in me and my journey. I have 
chills right now as I'm saying that. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the love and support. I do have my limited I'm engaged mini offer. I always sing the I'm engaged. I am offering my course, which I have offered several times before. It's the same title as this podcast, Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. 75 videos, four sections, introduction section that sets you up with all the tools, the stop wanting him back section, the fall in love with you section where you really date yourself and look at all the different ways you may not be loving on you. And then the find someone better section plus a bonus step-by-step dating guide section that I recently shot less than a year ago, October of last year. I'm recording this in June. So fresh new material. I also sprinkled in some new videos. The course is lifetime access. A payment plan is available. But the best part of this offer is that when you purchase this course by Sunday, June 25th, this offer is only available through June 25th. The course will be taken off the shelves again. And this is my most affordable offer. I will be offering a bonus one-on-one coaching session with me on a Zoom call. Once you purchase the course, you'll receive an email where you can click on an acuity schedule and book your session with me. So, so many people get so much out of the course, but I love doing bonus calls and I usually do bonus group calls. This time, I just felt like doing one-on-one. I'd never offered it before with the course. And I understand that you guys have questions. I think so much is covered in these 75 videos, but there's always a question about thought work or you think your situation is a little bit different and it might be different. So what a great opportunity then to ask the person who created the course or you know, you actually just want coaching from me. It could be questions about the videos, questions about thought work, or you could just get coaching from me. So I'm really excited about this offer. Again, it's my most affordable offer. There's also a payment plan available. So definitely check out the link in the show notes. And without further ado, how it is and isn't personal. So this is coming up and it it always has come up, but I feel like it's come up a few extra times as of late with my clients. So, and and I actually, as I was preparing this episode last night, I'm recording this right now at seven in the morning on a Thursday. I wondered if I had actually recorded something on this before, but again, here we are over 220 episodes in. I can't remember, but I always think I have new things to say about the same topic. So (laughs) I don't know if I've recorded something similar about this, but I feel like the way that I've set up this episode is different than what I've talked about before. But as always, there's usually some overlap when I'm recording these episodes. But it is coming up lately. And I've actually heard it from women who are heartbroken over long-term relationships and from women who are newly dating someone and the person isn't interested. So those are two very different things, but I'm going to do my best to give as much as I can on both. Please note, and I really should say this in every episode, but especially as I was preparing this episode, obviously, I don't know your individual story. Your best bet would be to purchase the course and 
sign up for that bonus one-on-one session. If you really want me to look at your story, my podcast can't cover every individual story. And I know some of you slide into my DMs and you want me to give you coaching and advice, but I do not do that in my DMs on Instagram or on Facebook. So I'm doing my best to give you different perspective and a, and a different coaching perspective on this topic. So apply it as best as you can to yourself. And if not, please purchase the course and sign up for a one-on-one session with me. So it is, of course, such a bummer when someone doesn't want to be with you anymore, whether it's new or it's been long-term. I have experienced both kinds of heartbreak and it's awful and it's painful. And I have no judgment on you if you dated someone for six weeks. And I've, I've had my clients who get really excited about someone six weeks in, eight weeks in, three months in, and the person ends it and it's super painful. And some people do have judgment on that because they're like, you barely knew the guy. Who cares? And it's like, no, but I felt like I knew him. We connected. I gave so much of myself to this person. He seemed like the guy. I've been doing so much work to call love in. So it really just seemed like this could be it. And it's not just disappointment over the person. It's disappointment over, ah, now I'm alone again, which even though I do a lot of work with my clients, on loving their singledom, when you start to really like someone and then that person leaves the building, yeah, there's that resistance to going back to being alone because you've now experienced that kind of connection with somebody else. So you kind of have to start picking up the pieces again. What I will say is that picking up the pieces I've observed with my clients gets easier and easier. I don't say stop wanting him back and find the next person who's going to be better. It's going to be different from for everybody. Some people find people right off the bat. Some people move through several people and have to move through heartbreak and disappointment again under my watch. But what I will say is that it gets easier and you get that much more clear about who it is that you are actually looking for. So regardless of the timeline, of course, it's personal because you have given a lot of yourself, right? You invested a ton of your heart energy. You you may have shown him sides of you that most don't see physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And it really hurts when they change their mind or just don't step up to the plate. Of course, that feels really personal. What I want to offer, though, is that if it is in the beginning stages, let's say it is a month, two months, three months in, it's really not personal because despite the fact that you're emotionally invested, you don't really know that person. I have a friend who recently got set up. The guy was so interested. They were set up through a mutual friend and they met and they hit it off and she wasn't really sure how she felt about him, but she would definitely be open to a date too. She had, she was a little bit mixed and there were definitely ways that they weren't compatible. And then later she found out through the person who set them up, you know, that he was like still kind of one foot in his marriage that he said was over. And like, it's a very complicated situation. And 
all of this stuff. And, and she never would have known that without the mutual friend telling her that. And it, it, it just made me think, well, God, what a blessing when someone sets you up and can actually give you the information of what was really going on because he just like coldly stopped contacting her after him like sharing so much of his life with her and consistently messaging her and so enthusiastic about meeting up with her. And I it got me really fired up. And, and I'm speaking in heteronormative terms, but how many of my clients go out with men who are like so intense and hot and heavy and intrigued, and then they coldly drop off and my clients take it personally. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, there's like so much other shit going on with him that we don't really know most of the time because we met them on Bumble, right? And so technically, the guy doesn't even owe you that. I know that that sounds mean and harsh, but I don't mean that in a mean way. But like, what if that was you? What if you were married and, you know, finalizing the divorce, but then something else came up? It's still not okay, especially at the level that he was pursuing her and so vulnerable with her and whatever. But, you know, there's a whole history with someone else and 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 there's more logistics involved. I, I, I'm not justifying it, but what I'm saying is, oh, wow, how not personal is that? Because you can't, and I was saying this to my friend, you know, you can hit it off with someone. And again, she, it, it, the blessing of all of this was she wasn't that into him, but it was kind of a head scratcher. And what if she was into him? She was like, I would have been so upset, so hurt, you know, what a bummer because he was so like consistent and showing up and and so great on so many levels. She wasn't really sure if, if they were ultimately compatible. And, you know, maybe he felt that way, too. But at the end of the day, you know, a week later, she gets wind that <laughs> he's actually like working on his marriage through the mutual friend. And it's like, what? And of course, the mutual friend felt terrible, but it was like very shocking and it's like, that is just so not personal because you can't compete with that kind of history. No matter how fun the initial connection was, they went on one date. And how many times am I coaching my clients where they're like, I don't get it. I, I showed up as my best self. He seemed really enamored with me. He was telling me that he wanted to see me again, like multiple times on the date. And then he was like texting me afterwards. And then it was just this cold, abrupt like shut off valve that happened. And, you know, we're left scratching our heads and, and, you know, there can just be so many reasons, but I would for sure say in that situation, oh yeah, that's so not personal. And so obviously that's for when you're newly dating someone and you just don't know the whole story and you're never going to be able to know the whole story, whether they just, the whole story of why they ultimately say they're not interested and also just the whole story of who they are. You know, it takes time to get to know someone. I don't care if you spend every day for two months with someone. 60 days is not enough to know that that person is your person. It's enough to feel an emotional, intense connection and crave them and be heartbroken. But, you know, tell me that you've been with someone. I mean, hello, I have a ring on it after three and a half years. And, you know, we obviously went at a slower pace because, of course, again, the children were at the center of all of this. But, you know, 
I think having a ring on it after over three and a half years makes me feel so much more solid about our future and our relationship because Larry and I have seen each other at our fucking worst. We've been mean to each other. We've been ugly to each other. And then we've come together and looked at, hey, when you said this, that was fucked up. I didn't like this and 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 vice versa. And I'm so proud and honored to share that with you because I think it's really important and not everyone's going to be ugly or mean, but Larry and I are fiery Irish people. He is definitely the way more calm and grounded one compared to me, but you know, he has his limits and he has his stressors and he has his triggers. And so I can confidently say, okay, I've seen this man as, at his worst and this this doesn't scare me. This isn't a deal breaker for me. This is work throughable. I see how then we move through unpacking our disagreements afterwards. And most importantly, they're pretty few and far between, but we've had rough patches in our relationships. So, you know, when someone says, I don't get it, we were so great and they were together for fucking two months, I'm like, there wasn't enough. And I say this to my clients when they're super confused. I'm like, get into some ugly disagreements. I have a client right now. She's been dating a guy since October and this is their second round of dating. And it's been so great the second time around. She really went back into the relationship, eyes wide open. Here we are in June. They've just had their first conflict. And they're like both really not seeing eye to eye. They're having multiple conversations about it. And what I said to her was, can you guys just agree to disagree? Can you not like where he's coming from? And can he not like where you're coming from and just move forward? You know, just because when I say Larry and I talk things through after every challenge that we have, and I feel like we always come out on the other side with more clarity and uh, awareness and like an idea of how we're going to show up differently next time. I never feel like we have redundant fights. There are definitely redundant issues that come up, but I think we get better at communicating about them because of the way we communicate, if that makes sense. And yet there are just some things we agree to disagree on. All right. I I guess you're never going to see it my way. I'm never going to see it your way. Let's move the fuck on, you know? And I know that there are certain things that we need our partners to see, but If the relationship has been so fantastic, using my client as an example, since October, and here we are in June, and you're having your first major conflict, and you're speaking your truth, he's speaking his truth, and you're still just like, yeah, no, I don't love your perspective so much. Like, I still see where I'm coming from more. Okay, well, in the grand scheme of this fucking amazing relationship and all that we've been through and all that we've talked through and all the fun we've had and all the love that we've shared, can we just agree to disagree and accept that we're not going to see eye to eye on this particular situation? I mean, you guys, it's just not realistic for your partner to just totally be sensitive and understanding to every fucking thing you think and feel, right? So it feels personal. Like I'm thinking of this client right now. It feels very personal to her that he doesn't get it. And and I get that it feels very personal, but I also know this man loves her, but he's also going to be like, yeah, no, still don't love this. Still don't appreciate this. And can that be 
okay. It doesn't feel okay in the moment. But again, in the grand scheme, it's like, oh, what are you going to do? Break up over this (laughs) and then go find another partner who's going to see eye to eye with you on this one thing. But chances are he's not going to be as amazing as her partner that she has now in all the other areas because he really is an off the charts partner. Okay, so perfect segue into how it isn't personal when you've been with someone long-term. I do think it's easier to take the personal out of it when it's new versus when it's a longer-term relationship, whether it's you know closer to a year or a couple of years or it's a marriage and you've been together for a long time, you know, a few months versus years. And let me tell you this. I have been doing this work for seven plus years now. I think officially heartbreak work. 2017 to, yeah, six years for sure. Heartbreak work, heartbreak coaching. And what I will say for every single woman who has come to me completely heartbroken and feeling like it is so personal is on the other side of the heartbreak, they're thinking, OMG, I was so hung up on him. And I thought he was the bee's knees. But in hindsight, he wasn't actually that great. I was so attracted and committed to the idea of him, but not him. He just wasn't as great as what I thought he was in that moment. It was actually all about him a lot of the time. He was dismissive, not that kind, not that supportive, impatient, inconsistent. When we had issues, we didn't really work through them. We just fought about them and then moved on. And then the same shit would just keep happening. It's just that you're not the right fit. I hated when people said this to me, even about my rock bottom ex who did horrible, horrible shit to me, but it definitely was not meant to be. And so then what comes up for my clients who are taking it so personally because he left the building despite the challenges and you're just so crazy attracted and enamored by the idea of him is that then it moves into, well, if he loved me enough, he'd stay. And Here's a pretty tough response I'm going to give back to you on that. And you may want to punch me in the face, but please know I'm saying it's a tough response, but I'm truly saying it in a delicate way, but I think you need to hear it. And again, like I said at the beginning of this episode, I can't apply every angle and coaching approach to every single situation of every single listener. So I don't know necessarily that this applies to everyone. So just keep in mind, I don't know the individual story of your heartbreak. So please be patient with me. Again, purchase the course, get that one-on-one coaching session. But when I hear a client say, well, if he loved me enough, he'd stay. I would say a lot of the time, my thought is, but what if you loved you enough that you wouldn't have stayed given what they ultimately discover later as they're processing the heartbreak? What if you loved you enough that you wouldn't have stayed with someone who was dismissive, not kind, not that supportive, impatient, inconsistent, didn't really work through the hard stuff with you? Or right now, you loved yourself enough to commit to letting him go. So he left the building. You didn't want him to. You're shocked. You're hurt. Why didn't he love me enough that he would stay? Why am I not worth him trying to stay, right? But there was shit going on 
that you weren't paying attention to that just won't ultimately work for you long term that, you know, maybe you were reacting to. Because this came up for a client who I was a new client who, you know, owned her side of the street about having anxious attachment style and having big reactions to him. And he was always the calm one, which I totally relate to because, you know, I say this all the time on the podcast. My rock bottom ex is such a disgusting assholic <laughs> motherfucker. But, you know, when he's going around telling everyone I'm crazy, I did go crazy on him. I did lash out on him. I did freak out on him. But I did all of those things because I knew shit was fucking shady and he was always the calm one and like, you're crazy and I love you and you've got demons inside of you and I'm not going anywhere. And I would just be like, because my gut, my body, and also he was a fucking idiot, his tangled web of lies with people that, you know, I knew like we had so many mutual people and it was just shady as fuck. Right. But like, I was having these huge reactions because my body was saying, you are not safe, Claire. We aren't safe here. Shit is fucked. Your gut is saying this guy is not doing right by you. So I would have questions and I would challenge him. And yes, I would fucking attack him. And I'm not saying that that's okay. I obviously was not healthy in my own mind and spirit, but you know, yeah, ultimately he was the one that was just like, we can't do this anymore. I mean, it came to a head on an Upper West Side corner on a Monday night when yet again, I was like, why can't I come over? You're my boyfriend. It turned out he had his other girlfriend there, but he wasn't telling me that. So he met me out on the street and was just like, you're crazy. I need a night to myself. It was just, it was such fucking bullshit. And I knew it was, I just didn't know exactly what was going on. And, you know, I never left him. I always, I mean, I did at times, but then he would suck me back in. But I was just craving him to make his wrongs right so that we could stay in the relationship because I already loved him. But what I loved was the idea of him. I didn't love the gaslighting. I didn't love the shady behavior. I didn't love his story fucking changing. I didn't love that I never knew where he fucking was a lot of the time. I didn't love that I would try calling him and he never picked up his phone and he, it would be for hours. And he would say, oh, I don't know. I, I guess I was like, on the subway or something. I must've been underground. Like everything was just so fucking shady to me and felt so not right. Yet here I was dying to be in the relationship. And again, I don't know your story. Your situation may not have been as fucked and as awful and as fucked up and as bad as mine. But I'm just sharing with you the, the extreme of fucked up behavior that was going on in that relationship. Now, 12 years ago at 29 and 30 years old. And I was like, but I love him and I just want to stay. And like, you know, even my family was invested in him and my parents really loved him. And I was invested in his family. And, you know, again, also, you know, I talk all the time about how age is neutral, but at that time, you know, all of my friends were getting married. And I think I felt that like, no, this person is supposed to be my husband. And he always talked about me being the mother of his children. So I felt that probably pressure slash desire to, you know, make this work. And again, of course, like I loved him, but 
I didn't love myself enough to see that this was so fucked up and dysfunctional. And again, I know it could be much more subtle in your situation. I don't just only attract clients who are in really fucked up situations like mine, but I definitely wasn't loving myself enough to be like, there's just way too much fucked up shit happening here. And also just inappropriate engagement with other people. Got a dog with another woman, told me he got the dog to bring he and I closer together. But when I discovered he got it with another woman who I was skeptical of, turned out it was his other girlfriend. He told me he used her to get the dog because she had a connection to the adoption agency. And nope, turned out that's not true because she and I ended up talking about all the details afterwards. They actually got the dog together, which he stole from her and she took him to court for. He's such a disgusting, vile human. And I was like, I need to make it work. And she too was always letting him suck her back in as well. And we definitely both recognize that we didn't love ourselves enough to stay. And now maybe you're in this position where it's like, okay, yeah, no, I would have kept staying except that he cut the cord. Well, now it's your work to love yourself enough to commit to letting him go. Getting him back is not the solution. If someone doesn't want to be with you anymore, getting him back is not the solution. And as I say this to you, as I said, it's, it's, I was recording this at seven, it's now seven forty-eight. I just, had a dream this morning and I now have a beautiful ring on it. I just had a dream this morning that Larry didn't want to be with me and I couldn't remember his phone number and I was desperately trying to find his phone number and then somehow figured out he changed his phone number, found that number, called him, was like, what's going on? You know, and he just didn't want to be with me anymore. And all I wanted to do was beg him and bargain and, you know, twist his arm to take me back. I get that bargaining thing. And look, now that I'm awake and recording this, trust me, if all of a sudden he wanted to break up with me, I would be despairing. I would be freaking out. I would feel like I want to die. I don't care if that sounds dramatic. I That's how I've felt in heartbreak before. And now with the love of my life, if he didn't want to be with me, I, you know, just because I'm a heartbreak coach, I am not immune from experiencing heartbreak. If he didn't want to be with me, I would lose my mind. I would totally be in the bargaining, begging, bargaining and begging phase um, for a while. I think we have to move through that. But yeah, ultimately, if we were working together, that's what we would be working on is loving yourself enough to let that person go who no longer wants to be with you. But beyond that, a huge part of the closure is actually looking really closely at the relationship and recognizing, you know what? I was so enamored by this person, but actually he wasn't that great. I often ask my clients when they newly come to me heartbroken, well, what was so great about the relationship that you want to stay? And, you know, I'm like, yeah, love is not enough. Passion is not enough. Connection is not enough. Having a good time together is not enough. How are you fundamentally compatible? How do you work through your really you know, big challenges that I think are inevitable in a really solid relationship. I also think too, the older you are when you come together with someone, even though you're more clear about what it is that you're looking for, you're usually bringing more trauma or past experience that shapes who you are, more wounds into a relationship. I mean, yeah, I'd like to think that I healed a lot. I know I healed a lot when I ultimately met Larry, but we had wounds to heal together 
as partners. So, you know, how are you moving through all of those in a really conscious and productive and raw and honest way? I'm telling you guys this. I am never like, oh, yeah, you did lose that really big catch. How do we get him back? Whenever anybody comes to me, I'm like, as I hear the story, I'm like, what? This isn't okay. This isn't okay. And it doesn't mean that I think my client is like the 100% victim. I really appreciate my clients coming and telling their part of the story, right? It, you know, I do think to really a relationship does take two people, but you know, usually when someone leaves, I'm always seeing how, okay, that's super hurtful, but I'm also seeing some issues in the relationship that ultimately I don't think can sustain itself long-term. And, you know, you're, you're beating yourself up for behaving in certain ways, but maybe you were behaving in certain ways because those were your cries for help because there's this other shit going on. So are you willing to love yourself enough to commit to letting him go instead of focusing on, well, if he loved me enough, he'd stay. And, you know, I can say for me personally, all the times I was heartbroken, it was over guys who really weren't the right partners for me. And I let my quote unquote love for them be the reason to stay, but we didn't want the same things like a commitment or even the same kind of lifestyle. And two guys that I dated as I was thinking and preparing for this episode, they always loved to be around their friends. And I really craved more alone time. And I'm a social person. I mean, now as I'm older, I think I'm way, way less social. But, you know, at that time, both those times, as I think about both those guys, you know, their friends are lovely. Their friends are great. I'm a social. I was definitely more social back then, but it was just too, too much. I just, we weren't compatible enough. And I know the love, the humor, the passion, the chemistry, but again, those, the, the fundamental differences about who you are and how you want to live your life and how you want to work through challenges, all of that, you know, makes for, and I hated hearing people say this, love just not being enough. Love is just not enough for a lifelong partnership. You need to get each other. You need to want the same things. You need to move through the shit in a really productive and conscious way. And so therefore, if you're not fundamentally compatible long-term, it really isn't personal. It isn't about you. It really is about them. And you think it is because they say, I can't be with you anymore because of this about you. And maybe whatever that thing is about you does need some work. So it makes it extra triggering because you know it's a weakness of yours. You know, maybe you lash out like I do or I did, but sometimes I've lashed out at Larry still in this relationship. Um, or you threaten to break up, but you don't really mean it. Or maybe you second guess trusting him, even though deep down you do trust him and some or all of the above wears him down or so he says. Okay, but this is where it isn't personal. And you're going to hate me for this in the thick of it, but stay with me. What if 
This is the next level invitation to heal the parts of you that you didn't love. And the only way you were going to do it was if you experienced this next level of pain that would motivate you to heal this stuff in a way that you never have. Now, please note, again, I don't know all of your individual circumstances. Maybe there was a part of yourself that you loved that he broke up with you for. Like if Larry ultimately decided my openness on social media about me and my past was a deal breaker for him, or he was just turned off by what I did for a living and rejected me for it, that would still not be personal because I love what I do and I believe so deeply in what I do. So his dislike of what I do is personal to him, not me. And you guys, that's just an arbitrary example. Obviously, he is very supportive of that. But, you know, I put on my Bumble profile that I was a life coach and, you know, living in LA and I was also easily findable on the internet because it was like Claire, actress, life coach. And you could see that I went to Lehigh University and find my last name very easily. And I just didn't really have a problem with that. I know some people have, you know, safety hangups. And I actually have a whole video on safety. And I think, you know, you you just have to do what is best for you. But I'm surprised by that because I'm such a huge Dateline NBC fan. But I, I, I didn't have a problem with being findable if someone was interested enough to figure out who I was based on what I shared on the apps, because I also had, as I just said, my my college there. But I ultimately decided, especially in the version of my dating app profile, my Bumble profile, right before I met Larry, because of course there were many iterations of my dating app profile over the eight or so years I was dating. And I think that that's important too. And and for those of you who don't know, I do look at your individual dating app profiles when we work together, whether you come into my group program, each of my clients send me their dating app profiles when they are ready to date. You don't just come into the program and send me your dating app profile. I always majority of my clients, I have them hit pause on dating for a little bit when we first start working together. So I get the lay of the land of them. But I think it would be really strange if you're listening to this and you've been dating on and off for a while and you haven't changed your profile in a really long time. I can't imagine that it doesn't need a little refresh, if you will, because who you were today versus who you were five years ago. And also change your pictures. We get so annoyed at people not looking like what their pictures are when we meet them. Make sure your pictures are up to date and look like what how you would present yourself in person. Let's be who we want to attract and behave in ways that we want someone else who we're going on a date to behave, which is consistency and really sharing the truth of who you are. But I definitely have shared this before. I had a good laugh at myself that I was a yoga teacher and actress and a life coach and living in LA because it's really just such an LA cliche. And I knew a lot of people would scoff at that and eye roll that. And ultimately, I think, yeah, no, I was already done with acting by the time I matched with Larry. So I just said on my profile, oh yeah, and I'm a life coach and I have zero interest in coaching you on on yours. (laughs) A little snark there because I'm a snarky person and guess who loved it? Lawrence. Lawrence loved that I wrote that. (laughs) But I took ownership of what I do, even though I'm not gonna lie, and this is just a little side tangent. Again, I've shared it before. 
it's okay to still have insecurities about who you are when you start dating someone or when you're putting yourself out there, not even if you're dating someone. I was a little self-conscious and still to this day, when someone asks me what I do for a living, I don't think a lot of people understand what coaching is or at least what I do. And it's hard to explain. And I find the insecure part of me wanting to be like, no, I'm, I'm really good at what I do. And I'm really successful because life coach just sounds so hokey to me. And I just feel like, yeah, if you're not familiar and again, it's, it's just still a little bit of an insecurity for people who don't understand it. If people listen to my podcast and follow me on Instagram and see what I do. You can still not like what I do or appreciate what I do or judge what I do, but at least I know then you've gotten the full picture or you read articles that I've published. I'm okay with people understanding it and not liking it, but not people not really getting it. And then socially, I'm not going to be like explaining or validating myself. So it's just this weird thing that I continue to navigate it's also not something that I lose sleep over. So I'm like, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable and awkward. Larry and I always have a laugh because he agrees with me. He's like, yeah, that person looked at you like you had five heads. Like he sees it too. I don't think I'm making it up. And it's just a continued practice for me to own what I do with strangers. I also just think living in Santa Barbara and like when we're at parent events and it's mostly lawyers, business people, financial people, or stay-at-home moms, right? It's just you don't meet too many life coaches in Santa Barbara, which is funny because it is a very like holistic, healthy community, but I just haven't come across many. Anyway, not the point. My point is I put on my app who I am. And again, people, even people take it personally when someone matches with them And then they unmatch. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so not personal. If you love your profile and you love how you present yourself and you love every picture and you love what you do. And then, you know, we've all done it where we've matched with someone and then we take a closer look after we match and then we realize, oh, we're not a match. Maybe you took a closer look or that person took a closer look and, you know, your politics are a deal breaker. You want someone to be politically aligned or religion or yeah, maybe you see that he's shorter than what you normally go for. And you've decided that height is a deal breaker for you, whatever it is. It's just not personal. It just wasn't a match. And again, easier when you're newly dating somebody. But what is the moral of the story? The moral of the story is own your looks, own your height, own what you do, own who you are, work on your weaknesses, look at past relationships see your part in things and know what you need to work on. I knew I had a major anxious attachment style. Even though I was with the wrong people, my anxious attachment style needed work because not only was I driving partners crazy, I was driving myself crazy. And I knew that shit after years of dating was going to keep coming up. And it did come up with Larry. And interestingly enough, it still comes up with him. It just comes up in a different way because I'm so secure and solid in our relationship. Clearly my subconscious mind isn't because I'm having these recurring dreams still, even after being engaged. But a perfect example of this was last weekend. He took the kids to one of his son's basketball tournaments. I had plans. And so I couldn't go. 
but I felt really anxious that they were far away from me. It wasn't, oh my God, where's Larry? What is he doing? Does he miss me enough? Is he going to text me? Uh, I'm so unsettled. Like, will I see him when he comes back? It wasn't that kind of anxious attachment style, but I just like my body physically feels anxious, especially it was the first weekend that I would have been with them after we were engaged. So I also felt like I wanted to be close to my official family. And I just felt a little bit unsettled. And so I just sit with it and I observe it and I connect the dots and I do a little investigation and I I share it with Larry. It's not like, how do I get rid of this anxious attachment style? What's wrong with me? Claire, you've got a real issue. You know, it's just like, oh, that's there and I can allow for it and give it space and be kind to myself and be curious and breathe through it and still show up for plans with my best friend in LA and live my life, you know? So I always say about anxious attachment style, it's not about getting rid of it. It's about navigating through it and it does get easier. And I do think a big part of healing it is healing it with the right partner but also taking care of your side of the street and working on your shit before your ideal partner arrives. And what a great time to do it if someone who you loved left the building. It's like, okay, I can't control that he left. Do you want to I do find myself beating myself up for the things that I said and did that didn't work that he's saying drove him to leave. But you guys, there is always shit underneath. There is always shit underneath. He didn't leave because you did X, Y, Z. There was stuff missing in the partnership because yeah, he could have stayed and actively directly worked on it with you. And he didn't. And again, I, I, now this is the fourth time I'm saying it in this episode, your situation might be different. You know, maybe you were like, I I'm thinking of another couple that I know of and they have been in couples therapy and oh, for years and the both of them have been in individual therapy and they're just not working but they're like also not giving up on the marriage and i personally think that that's strange like i personally couldn't do it i think at the end of the day someone just has to call it and say enough is enough like not only are we not compatible but you're actually a fucking asshole and so self-centered and narcissistic and abusive, like I'm out, (laughs) you know, but again, to each their own. Yeah. Some people do stay in miserable situations because they are just like committed to the marriage or whatever social reasons, or they're just terrified of what of the unknown after being with someone for, you know, almost 20 years. So you know, again, I can't cover every single situation, but I would say the reason why I'm speaking from this angle is that I'm usually coaching people on taking it personally when they're newly dating someone or or coaching people that are taking it very personally when someone they love for years decides to leave. But there was always something not right in the relationship that we inevitably unpack and then hindsight is 2020. And then they have a next level of clarity when they start to date again about who they are looking for and how they want to show up and how they want to work through the issues that will inevitably come up in another partnership, but you're going to approach them in a different way and then look back on your last relationship and be like, holy fuck, I was fighting for that motherfucker who was giving me fucking crumbs. And yeah, I had these huge reactions, but now looking back, I realize I had these huge reactions because this bullshit was going on. 
look, I love my parents more than anything. They're coming to Santa Barbara. Oh, like in a few days by the time this episode comes out and they're my world, my everything. Literally, I call them. They'll be like, my dad will be in the pub and he'll be like, I'm I'm in the pub. Hold on. I'm coming out. Like they pick up the phone morning, noon and night whenever I call them. They're my besties. I love them. And they're full on Irish. We lived there when I was a kid from when I was three till eight and we moved to the States. So I'm very Americanized. Um, And it's no secret. I lived on Ashley Lawn in Malahide for any of my uh, Irish listeners. Ashley Lawn in Malahide. And I was the kid on the street that was like so well known for being the most overreactor, screaming the most overreactor, terrible English, the biggest overreactor, screaming, crying, always just making a scene on the street or in my backyard. Like I was just known for being a total temper tantrum, little terror. I know so many of you are shocked. And I remember saying this in therapy, shout out to an amazing therapist I worked with, like the, the amazing therapist I worked with. Cause I worked with a lot of shitty therapists, but Ashley Graber in Los Angeles. Uh, I've also had her on the podcast, um, a couple of times. Um, and she said to me, but Claire, what if you were screaming for something and you just didn't know how to express it? What if you were screaming for something and you just didn't know how to express it? And I, I don't say that to blame my parents. I really don't. I think my parents grew up in a different time, different culture, therapy, and like communicating and asking your six-year-old child, what's going on? What's this really about? That, that My parents didn't have those tools or that skill set. So I'm not criticizing them. That's why I'm, I'm very protective of them because I really, they gave me so much love and they gave me the world and the shirt off their backs and they still do and would. And they embrace Larry's kids as if they're their own grandkids. Like they're just, oh, I could cry thinking about how much I love my parents. And yeah, I think, you know, if one of Larry's kids and this has happened when they're acting out, it's like, hey, what's actually going on here? You know, no one asked me that question. And so then I started fighting with friends in school and being really reactive as a teenager and drama in my 20s with people. And that bled over to my romantic relationships. Like there was something else going on with me that I needed to heal. And can that be okay? And then I did work on all that shit and I did heal my childhood shit. And I finally discovered what, you know, being an empath is being a highly sensitive person, being being someone who identifies with having an anxious attachment style, being a six on the Enneagram. I truly just really identify with the description of a six on the Enneagram. And it's like, oh, okay. Like now it's not, oh, it's bad that I'm highly sensitive. It's bad that I'm an empath. It's bad that I'm a six. It's bad that I have anxious attachment style. It's like, oh, these are the descriptions that I very much identify with. How do I navigate it? And then when I started to navigate it and cultivate this awareness and understand myself better, then I'm able to consciously show up in the right healthy partnership. And the right healthy partner comes when I'm like, yeah, this is me. And I am a big reactor at times. And I have a lot of energy, but I also love big. I love hard. The six on the Enneagram is also extremely loyal. It's the loyalist slash skeptic. Like there's a lot of positive with me being all those things because I have a ginormous heart and I'm going to love you through it, but I'm going to like be 
fighting with you tooth and nail or fighting for us tooth and nail. And sometimes it'll look like fighting with, but not as much as what it could have been in the past. So not personal, you guys. It's not personal. It feels personal when we give so much of ourselves. But when we really take a step back, you either didn't know enough about that person because it was too new or you were a little bit asleep at the wheel in your long-term relationship and blinded by the love, the chemistry, the idea of that person, blinded by the committed future that you had with someone. But ultimately, you weren't really seeing that there was like other shit going on that I don't love for any of my clients to have in long-term relationships. And I just know that there is something much, much better or someone much, much better on the other side of the healing work that you really will be the most compelled to do when that person leaves the building. If they ultimately stay and come back after breaking up with you within a month, but nothing really has changed on your end or the other person's end, the same shit will just keep coming up. And I know that's what you want. I know it's just like, oh, if that person would just come back, I would feel so much better. And then I wouldn't feel alone. And then I wouldn't be feel daunted about trying to find someone else because I love love and I want to be with someone and all of that. I get it. It's the most daunting, scary, painful thing. And I felt that way even after short-term relationships where I was like, oh, this could really be it. And yes, all my work is working and he's arrived. But then every single person, you guys, every person who I've dated before Larry, I look back and I'm like, oh, Yeah, that's a joke. That's hilarious that I thought maybe this guy who was giving me fucking crumbs. It's not personal. I know it feels personal because of what you gave. But when you take a good long step back or a thousand steps back and take some time and really unpack and evaluate, it wasn't right. It just wasn't right. I think I like that phrasing better than it wasn't meant to be. It just wasn't the right fit. It wasn't right. And, you know, I'm thinking of another client last year who totally got her heart broken and she just really was blinded by love, but was in such an abusive relationship. And here she is. I think it's exactly a year later after he ended it. And I'm like, he had to end it because it got so bad and you would have stayed through all of it because you were abandoning yourself and just like giving him all the love. And now here she is a year later and is like, what's his name again? She laughs about it and is in a new relationship already and is like, holy shit, what was I thinking? But it was like, he had to do it. He had to leave the building that forced her to heal some much deeper pain because it gets that much worse before it gets better, especially if you really care about that person. And so I always said that to her, he had to leave because you were so loyal and blinded by your love for him and couldn't see that his abuse was so bad. I always say to her, it's that, that's the worst, most unhealthy relationship I've ever coached on. And I'm, I'm fine with telling her that because she wanted to justify staying. She wanted me to be wrong. She wanted to justify his really fucked up and abusive ways and really was clinging to the idea that he could change. And I had been coaching her long enough and she had been trying long enough and it just wasn't changing. So 
the universe, God, your higher power, whatever you believe in, had to rip him away from you because you were asleep at the wheel, staying in something that just wasn't that great. And again, your situation might not be as as extreme as her situation, but I would guess if you're listening to this, that there was something else going on in your relationship that you don't want to recognize was a deal breaker because you were clinging on to the idea of him, the idea of the love that you have for him. And I'm not negating the love. I'm just saying it's true when they say love just isn't enough. So much love, my loves. I really enjoyed this episode. I hope you did too. And again, head to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com, click on my engaged mini offer or to the link in my show notes and Let's set up that one-on-one appointment and dive deep into these videos with a wealth of information on how you can stop wanting Mr. Miss Wrong back, deeply fall in love with yourself and find someone better. And even if you're not heartbroken right now, there's still so much information in there. And I still invite my clients who come into my group program where I also coach them. I always ask them, still study the introduction section and peruse the stop wanting him back section just in case there's any unfinished business. You might not be heartbroken, but you might have unresolved limited beliefs that are holding you back that you haven't diffused or unraveled that will be helpful to you before you start the find someone better section. So hope that's clear. Would love for, love to meet you and coach you one-on-one for this offer. And I hope you have a beautiful day. So much love, my loves. Until next time, bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after.